Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today, sir? Sir Alan of the Roundtable, I'm doing uh, exceptional. I had to battle my way to get here uh, to LFP Worldwide Headquarters. Sure. There's a Sharknado out there. <laughs> it is a Sharknado. Yeah. I, and there's a, I think it's a trash can NATO and a, uh, you know, small car NATO. It's it's all those things. Yeah, it doesn't discriminate. It's all the NATOs. It's all the it's NATOs. all in a big windstorm. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird that, I don't know, I'm sure everything's fine. There, there's nothing going on with the weather. Just ignore that. It's fine. Everything's good. Look the I, other way. I, I found that if there's enough big, heavy, heavy, dangerous objects in the air, <laughs> they usually crash into each other and cancel each other out. Oh, sure. I saw that. It's fine. Didn't that happen in Twister? Yeah. Everything was fine. There's a cow and a yep. barn. Nope. Same yeah. cow. <laughs> same cow. <laughs> and everybody had hamburger. It all turned out fine. Mm, mm. Sorry, Alan. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beyond cow, so. Well, and and it, it also I'll tell you something else. Not only did did I survive the Sharknado, yeah. I was very happy uh, when I got here in LFP Worldwide Headquarters, and I noticed uh, Harvey is back, finally. Where's he been? He's a don't, I don't know. His vacation, I looked up in the thing that did we you keep, approve it? No, no, none of us approved it. He just, he's a maniac. He just took it and he just took it and he's out of there. Did he at least fix the soundboard while he was out? Should we test it? I don't know. Oh, so uh, you know what? I don't know. Let's do this. Why don't you ask me, remember when Andy took his personality exam <laughs> at the police station? Yes. And so to do it, Alan, you sure. got to, they got to ask him a, a baseline question. Oh yeah. To, let's get our baseline. Say, so let, let, why don't you do that? I'll be Andy. Okay. Got a question. Sorry. Uh, is your name Mark? Well, yes. No, it really is. I checked. That seems fine. Did you cross the? Did you cross the? Streams? I think he crossed Didn't the streams. Did you see Ghostbusters? You never crossed You're the streams. You're not supposed to cross the streams. All right. Well, tell you what. While he works on that, yeah. why don't we talk about this episode? Yes, please. Let's do this. Well, today's episode, of course, is season five, episode sixteen, bailout. Bailout. That's right. And uh, this one aired on March 14th of 2013. This was following that three-week hiatus after our last episode. Yep. And uh, we had a, a runtime of 21 minutes and 34 seconds. Standard cut, no producer's cut. Aww. We did have a few deleted scenes. Yeah. Mark, I have to tell you something, though. Mm, tell me, tell me. Last week, I had said that I believed by the end of season five, we were going to have at least one more producer's cut. Yeah, you promised. Everybody, you heard Alan, he promised that we would have at least one more producer. Go ahead. What, We're going to go erase that no. off the internet. Oh, no. Yeah. No, there, there isn't. <laughs> and even, what? And you mean even, all, all season five? The rest of season five, there's no producer's none. cuts? No. Director's cuts? No. Extended plays? No. Let's plays? I don't know. I'll tell you what. Oh. But but like the last episode of the season, right? The one you would think that would be like, it's the season finale. Yeah, you got to get bombastic. Yeah. It's, it's an important episode in the terms of the arc and sure. Leslie's career and all yep. those things. No producer's cut, but there are almost 11 minutes of deleted scenes. I don't even know what we're doing here. So I have challenged Harvey and Constantine <laughs> to work together to basically the Frankenstein one, to you Frankenstein an episode. Oh, normally I'm so we excited. say, "Hey, we should have done that," yeah, and it's too late. Now we've got weeks. No, weeks we're gonna to prepare. We're gonna. It's gonna happen now. Yeah, use peanut butter, duct yeah. tape, whatever it takes, Bob. Yeah. So unless we get the cease and desist letter from NBC's lawyers, we're yeah. doing that. 
No, I we changed. I changed our number. So oh, so they can't find us. No, they can't Good. find us. Good. Yeah. Well, that'll help us out today because we got a few clips. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Mark. Before we move on, I'll mention that today's episode was directed by Craig Zisk. We've uh, we've worked with Craig before. Yeah. Um, you know, if you remember, he was the guy who he was pretty young. He did his first uh, big TV show it was Cop Rock. Do you remember that? I do remember Cop Rock. Singing Cops. Yeah. Nothing like it ever since. How could you go wrong with that? It's hard to go wrong. Yeah. Except to do that. Uh. Yeah. Uh, Joe Mandy is the uh, writer of this episode. Uh, Joe is a writer known for Hacks, The Good Place, and of course, Parks and Recreation. And he makes an on-screen appearance in today's episode as well. Yeah, he, he's uh, one of the many uh, members of the the extensive Lurpus yeah. uh, dynasty. He'll be the one that keeps mentioning the internet. The, yeah, the internet. Yeah. Is that? Do we say his last name? Is it Mandy or Mand? I believe it's Joe Mandy. Okay, fair enough. And later, I'll re-record this if I need to to say it and seem like I was right. <laughs> Even more fair enough. Yeah, yeah, like, like I normally would. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Mark, why don't you get into our synopsis and then we'll uh, move on down the road. All right, I'm gonna. Well, uh, uh, Sir Allen of Roundtable, I uh, this was a tough one. This was a tough one because it, it seemed like as I was watching the episode, a lot of the storylines interweaved, woved. They, they like went back and forth. They weaved. They, they weaved that. Thank you, Mr. English. And uh, uh, I picked four. I picked four stories. So no, wait a minute. Wait. So that's, I, am I, is it, did you fix it yet? So that's, he is fixed that it. wrong? Oh, that's wait, right. Oh, it is right. Oh, nice job, Mark. Oh, no, thank goodness. Yeah, I was sweating. Uh, I had four as well. So. Sweating Sharknado's and as, over and here. And as our viewers know, I usually get the cheat sheet from the, uh, you know, the people who actually yeah, do this Yeah, you do. I yeah. don't understand how that happens. It's just, it, it, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't mean they like me better. That's <laughs> well, all we need to know. Clearly. All right. So my uh, my A story, uh, Alan, I, I thought, what could I do that would be easy? So I do what you usually do. And I just <laughs> I just pick movie titles or, or, or variations of movie titles, yeah. if you were. Yeah, uh, it would. So, so I, for the A story, I have it as entitled Mad Max Beyond Videodome. Oh, that's good. That's not bad. I like that. All right. Leslie is shocked to learn that the Pawnee Videodome, owned by Dennis Lurpus, is closing. Not a big surprise since video stores are closing left and right, and the Videodome doesn't even carry mainstream movies. But Leslie is determined to keep the business afloat and petitions the city council to declare it as a historical landmark. Hmm. This sends Ron into a tailspin because there's nothing he hates more than the government meddling in private matters. Uh... Ron shows up at the city council meeting to express his feelings, stating that this is nothing more than a thinly veiled government bailout. This causes things to get dicey as several other people start to speak out, some agreeing with Ron and some resentful that the Videodome was getting a handout at all and some wanting a handout of their own. Mm. What will happen? Does Leslie's historical landmark initiative pass or will it get squashed? Can the Videodome be saved or will it fade away like the blockbusters around it? Will there be any negative backlash from Leslie's plan? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Thank you. You know, it's uh, I don't know if you caught on to the irony of your own movie title, though. Mad Max Beyond Videodrome, of course, because of the Videodrome. But Jason Schwartzman, who plays Dennis Lurpus, yeah. was Max in one of his best movies ever, Rushmore. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I'm great. I'm genius. And you, stuff. you you knew all that. I know you did. Perfect. So, yeah. yeah. My my um I did not do good this week on this. Um, and in <laughs> fact, what's your movie title, Alan? Well, no. <laughs> well, okay, fair. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm giving you grief. Usually, no, it's yours okay. are good. There's of these four, because uh, you know I, I cheated and knew what to do here. Uh -huh. Um, 
at least one of them, I think, is based on a movie title. I don't know. I'm just kind of all over the board today. There's there's songs. I can't wait. There's products. There's all kinds of stuff. You're like there. a Sharknado. You're all over the place. See, I'm on theme today, Mark. Excellent. Who even knew? So my A story was titled Bailout Schmalout. Give me money. All right. Which is a little bit of the tip of the hat to Mona Lisa. Yes, it is. So there you go. Money, please. Money, please. <laughs> so I have my uh, my B story as entitled Traeger's Choice. I like that. It's all right. That was a little bit less. But anyway, Chris has not yet given Ann Perkins an answer regarding the whole will you be my sperm donor uh, question she posed to him in the last episode. Talking with Ben, Chris voices his concerns. The thought of being a father excites him, but he's worried he's not qualified to be a parent. Ben suggests that Chris practice his parenting skills on Tom, who could clearly use the help. After some consideration, Chris decides to go with Ben's suggestion and ends up giving Tom some, quote, fatherly advice regarding his issues at Rent-A-Swag with Mona Lisa Saperstein, see the sea story below. Meanwhile, Anne is completely on edge waiting to hear back from Chris about whether or not he'll be her sperm donor. How will this turn out? How does Chris suggest Tom handle the Mona Lisa situation? What will Chris finally decide with regards to being Anne's sperm donor? Is there any possible way Jerry could help Chris? Stick around, <laughs> podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Mine was just simply called Daddy Issues. <laughs> See, I like that better. Short and simple. Yep. All right. C story I have as entitled... Working nine to nine thirty, and then taking a five-hour break. <laughs> That's a little bit of a stretch. I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alan. All right, Tom's company, Rent a Swag, is in full swing and doing well due to the high demand. He's forced to hire an assistant. He brings on Mona Lisa Saperstein, the twin sister of John Ralphio. God help Mona us. Lisa. God help us indeed. Mona Lisa slacks off on the job, and in general, Tom lets her walk all over him. After witnessing this a few times, Ben urges Tom to fire her immediately. Quick. Quick. Finally, Tom receives some fatherly advice from Chris, see the B story above, on how to handle things. What will happen? How does Chris suggest Tom handle the Mona Lisa situation? Will Tom take Chris's advice or does he go rogue with his own plan? <laughs> at the end of the episode, does Mona Lisa still work at Rent-A-Swag? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. I love it. Mine was just simply called, she's the worst. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's I mean, good. if I'm okay. ever going to do it, today's the day. <laughs> How can you not like John Ralph oh singing God. ridiculous things? I'm so glad we're playing the cold open because I just it's got so it's so there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. People love this podcast. <laughs> All right. Oh, I hurt myself. I was gonna say. <clears throat> All right. All right. So the D story, there's four in this. I can't believe it. So the D story I have as entitled, I didn't have a movie title for this. So I just called it The Favor Heard Round the World. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad. All right. April begrudgingly comes to Anne asking for a favor. She's applying to veterinary school and she needs a letter of recommendation because she's a, you know, janitor at the hospital. Um, Anne is thrilled to finally have the upper hand in her relationship with April. She agrees to write the letter under one condition. 
April has to be your friend for one whole week and do everything she says. April has no choice but to agree to Anne's terms and takes part in Anne's parade of girly activities like manicures and boy talk. <laughs> that sounds delightful. <clears throat> How will this turn out? Can April put up with all of this gross Perkins love? Will Anne write the letter of recommendation for April? Do Anne and April ever have a genuinely sweet moment? Put on your helmet and don't get stuck. You won't believe how this turns out. Dot, dot, dot. I like it. Yeah. Nice job. Uh, my fourth and final story, and, and this is inspired a little bit by my own life. I, you know, Mark, uh, we've worked together a long time. And <laughs> yeah. I have a little bit of a knack for working, I think, with difficult people. Oh, God, yes. So, and, and I often people ask me to be that person to work with the difficult person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why. Okay. Maybe, maybe like, likes, like, I don't know. But uh, I call mine the April Whisperer. Oh, nice. You kind of get it, right? Yes, I yeah. do. That's so, pretty good. We'll talk more about that later. Yup. Nice job, Mark. Hey, uh, let's uh, do our AKA and then we'll move into this thing. All right. Uh, so the AKA, because we only got to do one because that's the way we do it. I'm not going to explain it each time because it takes way too much time. Okay. Now that that's over. My AKA, uh, this is from, I couldn't resist. This one's from, from Mona Lisa. Oh, seen. I, I was certain you were going to do a different one. I, mean, I, I did it for you. So go ahead. Oh, excellent. Okay. Mine is um, at, at one point, she, she's she got quite a libido that, that she girl, sure does. She's a real uh, yeah. skank. So anyway, so the, the, her, her thing is, you are so freaking sexy right now. I'm going to crap my pants. <laughs> he goes, <"Ew." laughs> of course. It Appropriately wouldn't. so. What's yours? Uh, mine, mine. Uh, thank you. I like yours. Uh, mine's from your, from your fanboy. Yeah. Your, 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 the man on which you my have man a boy crush. crush. Your man crush. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing I can't say today. Yeah. I know what I'm about, son. So. A great quote. It is the best quote. Like I, I want it on a t-shirt. I have a Ron Swanson t-shirt. Did I tell you that? You haven't seen it yet. I have not seen I'll it yet. I'll wear it next week. But nice. um, it's it's not that, but I, I've seen that shirt. Philosophically, like who wouldn't want to be able to say that about themselves? I mean, it is I the know what I'm statement about. of utmost confidence and it is Ron. Yes, it certainly is. Yep. So nice. Well, hey, Mark, let's get into our episode and let's, uh, why don't you tell us about the cold open and we'll get this thing going. All right. Cold open incoming. Well, this, uh, I'd say it's mid-sides. It's about a minute and a half. Um, I would say it's a uh, plot relevant. Of course, we have like 17 different plots in this, so it's going to be relevant. They're going to throw in a dart and hit anything. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So we open inside Rent-A-Swag, where business is booming, and Tom is giving the gang, Ben, Chris, Donna, Ron, Jerry, an update on how the store is doing, which is actually pretty good. Hey, Harvey. Yeah, start us out, buddy. Play this clip. Rent to swag shareholders. As you can see, your store is hopping. These kids are renting my old clothes like they're going out of style. Wish they never will. Yeah, that's a lot of foot traffic, Tommy. I like it. Oh, damn. <laughs> it is kind of a sausage party in here. Oh. For the record, would hit it, Ooh. would hit, Ooh. would hit, hard pass. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> Tom, who is this person? This is Mona Lisa Saberstein, my new sales associate. <laughs> Mona Lisa Saperstein. Does uh -oh. that mean? Oh, yeah! <laughs> She's my sister, my twin sister from the same mister. Thank you so much for hiring Mona Lisa. It means so much to me, even though honestly, she is the worst. <laughs> She's the worst person in the world. Huge, skank, terrible, but thank you. It means a lot. Of course, gotta keep it in the family. Yeah, but does it have to be this family? Uh. Actually, that reminds me, boss man. I need to leave early today because my shrink got me and him tickets to a Pitbull concert. 
and I already committed to that. And so if you say that I can't go, it's like you're taking something away from me. Um, store's really busy. I kind of mm. need you to stay. I totally hear you. Um, I also don't like what you're saying. So if you say no, I will start a fire in the bathroom. Okay, I guess you can go. Yeah, I know I can. <laughs> what did I tell you, huh? <laughs> the worst! She's the worst in the world. <laughs> John Ralphio, how are you? <laughs> I didn't realize that he, that John Ralphio and Chris had never met. Oh, they have met. That's why it's funny. Okay. <laughs> that is funny then. John Ralphio is the type of person who would totally not remember meeting a person. Like clearly yeah. I didn't remember meeting him either. That's well, funny. He talked about how attractive he was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back at the, the snake hole lounge, if I recall. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now, he was really drunk, so maybe that's why he doesn't remember. I also like that John Ralphio's falsetto voice is so powerful it knocked Ben over. <laughs> it literally knocked him over. Yup. Mark, who do you think she gave the, the stinky eye to when she left the scene there? Um, I, I always think thought it was Ben, but now I think it was her brother. Uh, it is Ben. Was it Ben? I think so. I think that Ben has the like stern, I think that Tom should fire you look on his face. It's already there. Yeah, you may so. be right. Yeah, he 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 doubles down later, but I think you're exactly right. Yup. Nice job. Well, Mark, we opened the main episode at the one and only Pawnee Videodrome. Uh-huh. And let's just say it's no blockbuster. No, no. But then again, what is anymore? That is Nothing. true. Um. So we now cut to Leslie and Andy at the Pawnee Videodome, where owner Dennis Lurpus, a member of the sprawling Lurpus dynasty in Pawnee, is hosting a free public screening of Stanley Kubrick's 1957 classic, Paths of Glory. We learn via Leslie Talking Head that they are there because she started a program to help local business, and the Videodome is a Pawnee institution after all, Alan. This is the place where Purd Hapley shot his movie review show, Lights, Camera, Purd. I love it. And the the flashback to him giving his his review from like in 1982, I think. Yeah, he says it's heartwarming story, but it's just not believable. That's why I give ET one and a half stars. Yep. Uh, not believable. An alien would not work like that. No, clearly not. <laughs> I think it was the whole speak and spell thing is what did it for him. Mark continuing on at the Pawnee Video Dome mm-hmm. and you know, doubling down on the theme of the worst. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that the selections here, I'm going to be like Mona Lisa. Hard pass. Mm. Although I bet Oren likes Oren these selections. probably has checked out every video here. Yeah, I bet he's like a employee, not employee, a customer of the month. Customer of the month, yeah. Um, so yeah, about 90 minutes later, Paths of Glory concludes and we hear the crowd applause and Andy wakes up, uh, you know, because it's <laughs> really? Paths. Yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't know where he is. That's funny. <laughs> Dennis uh, Lurpus chooses this time to thank everyone. And then also to tell them, hey, um, next month, Pawnee Video Dome, yeah, we're going to be closing our doors forever. Well, Leslie is alarmed to hear this and urges everyone to rent something to help out Dennis. Unfortunately, this is problematic for two reasons, Alan. A, the Video Dome does not carry mainstream movies like most things that people would want to see. Sure. And uh, B, the Video Dome also does not carry uh, mainstream concessions. Apparently, they only have... Japanese slime candy and Bulgarian <laughs> wheat balls, which I didn't even know were a thing. I didn't know those were a thing either, too. They did have that one really great Japanese documentary about the, you know, the brutality of uh, Japan's whaling industry. Oh, Wasn't it called uh, Tears of My Blowhole? Yes. It's absolutely <laughs> nauseating. I put that on my Netflix queue. So. <laughs> 
Mark, uh, one of the central themes of this episode, of course, is parenthood. And in our next scene at the Rent-A-Swag, we learn that Chris is still considering Anne's request and that the Saperstein twins are clearly in need of a better parent of their own. Holy hell. Yeah, we we uh, we uh, join Tom, Chris, Ben and John Ralphio at Rent-A-Swag because uh, Mona Lisa, I think, is gone at a Pitbull concert at this point. And um, with her therapist, with a therapist. Eek! And Chris is going through a crisis of decision while Tom is going through a crisis of where the hell is the missing money? Um, hey, Harvey, play the clip, sir. Thanks. All these kids have fathers and mothers who birth them and are guiding them through life. Yep, that's how it works. How are you feeling? Did you make your dad's decision yet? I am 100% certain that I am 0% sure of what I'm going to do. Ann Perkins asked me if I would like to donate sperm so she can have a baby. It's a battle between my primal desire to bring a child into this world and my paralyzing fear of negatively affecting any living thing. There's $60 missing from the register. I think Mona Lisa's stealing from me. Yeah, it is absolutely Mona Lisa, yep. 100%. She's a total klepto. Yep. And Nympho, and Pyro, all those things. Okay, as your CFO, I recommend getting rid of her immediately. I'm throwing a huge cocktail party tomorrow for all my best clients. I don't have time to find someone new. Uh, it sucks. You know, when I was in high school, we had to spend a week carrying around a sack of flour, pretending it was a kid. Why don't you make Tom your sack of flour? See how it feels to parent him a little. Ben, that is literally the greatest idea in human history. I heard sack of flour and high school. Are you ding-dongs <laughs> making fake drugs for sophomores? Because if true, this guy wants in. Oh, John Ralphio. Oh, my Lord. Is Tom having a cocktail party for a bunch of teenagers? I'm a little unclear on this. You know, that that's what occurred to me. But I, I'm thinking to myself, it's probably not the teenagers who are buying the clothes. Their parents. Probably. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Tom's apparently smarter than me this time. Yep. Well, Mark, sometimes when you want something, you have to consider whether the price is too high or not. And that's just what April has to weigh as she decides whether or not to ask Anne for a favor. Yes, well said, well said. We see Anne in her office, ending apparently yet another phone call to see if Chris is available. Clearly, waiting for an answer to the whole will you be my sperm donor question is driving Anne nuts. April enters Anne's office, which Anne is not used to, reluctantly tells Anne a secret, which Anne is also not used to, and actually asks Anne for a favor, which Anne is certainly not used to. The secret is that April's thinking about applying to veterinary school in Bloomington. More to say about that later. Uh, the favor is for Anne to write April a letter of recommendation to assist with her application. And Anne decides that, yeah, she will in fact help April out, but only if she spends the next week with Anne and acts like her bestie. April's not real happy about this. I thought it was interesting, though, that this is a kind of a reprieve for Anne because at the beginning of the scene, she's clearly vexed and just cannot wait to hear back from Chris. She's kind of calling, but trying not to call him. And so it's a good distraction for her at this time anyway. Well, that's true. Yeah. Well, speaking of prices that are too high to pay, Leslie makes a suggestion to Dennis about his movie selection and expanding to include films such as those directed by Michael Bay. Oh, dear. But I ask you, Mark, is it worth it? Mm, mm, it's a steep, steep price. <laughs> yeah, we see Leslie in the bullpen meeting with Dennis Lurpus, telling him a possible way to save his store, specifically if the Pawnee Historical Society declares the Videodome a historical landmark Dennis might get enough of a tax break to stay in business. Although Leslie does warn Dennis that he might get a little heat for this. So if this works, to use the extra money wisely and get popular films, for crying out loud, that people want to see. 
Ron, clearly against the government meddling in private yep. enterprise, overhears this and, as one might expect, is rather upset at the concept of something that sounds very much like a government bailout. Well, he's he's right. And Dennis even nods along as he says, this man is a failure. He's not up to snuff. His business is failing and you're bailing it out. Yep, sure am. Sure am a failure. I am. <laughs> so he's not wrong. No, that, he's not uh, wrong. Yeah, Dennis may have a little bit of a confidence issue too. Yep. Well, while we wait to see if the video dome is going to get its tax break, we jump over to the city manager's office where Chris is actively practicing his parental wisdom skills. Yeah, we see uh, Chris and Tom in Chris's office sitting very closely together on a very <laughs> unnecessarily close on a really, 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 really wide bench. Like you could fit like nine people on it, but they're like crammed. Especially nine Tom sized people. Oh, like 17 of him. Um, deciding to follow Ben's suggestion, Chris gives Tom what might be construed as fatherly advice. Specifically, he he tells Tom, Mona Lisa's taken advantage of him. It's not easy to deal with this sort of thing when the cause of it is the sister of a dear friend. But... He's a smart, successful young man. He should stand up for himself. He needs to speak directly to Mona Lisa and tell her, I will not be disrespected. I like it. Yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we bounce over to the city council chambers and we begin to hear the cases both for and against the request to bail out the video store. And we begin with Andy, who's making a point about something possibly related, followed by a rare visitor to council meetings, providing an alternative point of view. Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes uh, when it goes to uh, Groundhog's Day, you're not sure if there's going to be six more weeks of winter because whether he sees a shadow. <laughs> right. There may be some parallel there. Sorry, I got lost in my own idea. But anyway, <laughs> Harvey, play the clip, sir. Pawnee Video Dome is where I rented my first Bruce Lee movie mm. and my second Bruce Lee movie. Mm. And when I was in seventh grade, I went out back in the alley behind the store and there was a giant hornet's nest. Uh oh and I threw a rock at it mm. and it exploded mm. and hornets came out. The point is, obviously, you do not throw rocks at a hornet's nest. Nope. And the point is also that the Pawnee Video Dome is a place with tremendous community value where people gather to expand their horizons. Oh, yeah. Any other comments here before we vote? <clears throat> Ron, what are you doing at a city council meeting? Are you lost? Are you hurt? No, I am here to express an opinion. This action by Councilwoman Nope is nothing more than a thinly veiled government bailout. And I, for one, refuse to let her turn this town into a socialist hellscape. Allow me to elaborate. The government should not prop up a failed business. That would be like giving food to a mortally wounded animal instead of slitting its throat and properly utilizing its Ooh. meat and pelt. Please stop talking about wounded meat. Pawnee needs a place where the community can gather to discuss and appreciate art. A place where you can rent such films as Cinema Paradiso or Rashomon. You rented Rashomon. What was your favorite part of that? I haven't rented it actually yet, but I like the idea that there is a place where I could rent Rashomon. Uh, you can just watch it online for free whenever you want. Bailiff! Shut up, Thank Morris. you, Mr. Swanson, for your absurd opinion, which is shared by no one. Now, are there any more public comments before we vote? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Of course, the, the gentleman that the bailiff escorted out there, that's the second time already in this episode he's recommended that you can just watch any movie for free on your phone, so why do you need a video store? 
That's right. That's right. Uh, episode writer Joe Mandy. That's right. Mandy. And what was he watching in the first one? Oh, Iron, Iron Man, Man 2. 2. That's right. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> well, oh, see, that's the, that's the director's cut. I never saw that version. Yeah, it's I worth it. To, I need to go back. Yeah. Iron Man breakdancing. Terrific. <laughs> well, back at Renaswag, it appears that it's that time that Tom has been loathing. That's right. It's time to confront the beast about her poor work habits. Oh, dear. Yeah, we, we see at Renaswag, uh, Mona Lisa is goofing off. She's paging through a magazine while drinking who knows what from a flask in her hand. Um, Tom asks Mona Lisa if she ordered the champagne for the cocktail party that he's throwing for, you know, the kids. Um, and she responds in a totally clueless manner. Like, what? Did, what? What? What are you talking about? What? Well, this causes Tom just to go, all right, that's it. He's going to lay down the law, man. And he's telling her, we need to discuss your work habits right now. Now, you need to start putting in more of an effort. You need to start respecting my authority. And if you do not, I will fire you. So the good news, Alan, yeah, this gets Mona Lisa's attention. Sure it does. The bad news, yeah, this gets Mona Lisa extremely turned on. And uh, she essentially jumps Tom right there and then, LOL and yuck. So not exactly a resolution to the problem, but yay <laughs> all right yeah well while we recover from our nausea and wait to see if tom survives this unexpected confrontation uh -huh. we'll check in with ann in april to see how buddy fest 2013 is progressing oh let's see we now resume buddy fest at pinky's nails nail salon here in pawnee and um, this is a really short scene. Uh, April and Anne are sharing a manicure and they're discussing how they would build the perfect guy. And April is clearly not into all this, but is going along with it because what choice does she have? And I think also Anne realizes this is a long shot, but yeah. she prefers to believe that somewhere deep, 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 deep down. <laughs> like the minds of Moria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nerd. April really likes her. So she's fracking for friendship. I, think I love that line. It. That's pretty good. That was really good. That yeah, made yeah. me laugh. Yes. Well, back in city council chambers, the deliberations continue. And we hear from a few more folks as they both weigh in and some even double down. Oh, back at council chambers, the crazy Pawneeans come out and uh, they all have something to say regarding the whole video dome getting a bailout thing. Harvey, good sir. Play the clip. Gene Strackwell, owner of Strackwell Hardware. Oh, yeah. Is there a form I need to fill out for the bailout? We're, we're not bailing anyone out. Pawnee Videodome is receiving historical landmark status. Mm. We've been around way longer than that stupid art house movie bullcrap, and people <laughs> need places to buy tools. Oh, you can just buy tools online. Bailiff, why is he back in here? How did you get back in uh, here? I'll, just, I'll see myself out. Don't worry about it. I heard you were giving out free money. I need $3,000. Minimum. <laughs> Mr. Fandringham, the city of Pawnee is not going to give you a personal loan. What would you do if one of your citizens was about to come into some serious physical harm unless he got $3,000? I'd call the police. You cannot call the police. Oh, Wilson Gromling of the Liberty or Die Party. These government handouts are deplorable. You're just handing out blank checks. I was on food stamps. I was on welfare. And nobody ever helped me. This is not a blank check. I have given specific instructions to the Pawnee Video Dome about how they are going to spend their money. In a few days, Dennis will reopen. The store will serve a wider range of Pawnee citizens. And a Pawnee cultural institution will be saved. Are there any other comments? Yes. The Pawnee chapter of the Liberty or Die Party has hit some hard times. We were wondering if... Maybe the town could loan us some money. Mm -hmm. 
Well, later in the day, Mark, our B and C stories converge at Rent-A-Swag, and Tom reports in on his progress with Mona Lisa, and April finally takes an interest in Anne's life, but in typical April fashion. So I guess really it's our B and our C and our D stories. It kind of like, is, yeah. It's like a Sharknado in here. It, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're back here. This particular Sharknado is taking place at Rent-A-Swag, and this is Tom's cocktail party that we've been talking about, and it's now in full swing. Uh, with Chris, Ben, Anne, and April uh, of the gang in attendance. When Chris asks Tom how things went with Mona Lisa, he is told the results. Specifically, she got super turned on. They started making out horde, <gasps> went back <gasps> to his place, Sorry. had sex, and now they're apparently together, something which Mona Lisa reinforces by approaching Tom and asking, Money, please. <laughs> Yikes. We then see Anne and April standing off to the side talking about more girly stuff. Well, Anne's talking about more girly stuff. April's just kind of enduring it. Uh, When Chris walks up to join them, April picks up immediately from their rather stunted uh, speech patterns that things are clearly awkward and she just doesn't know why. She smells blood in the water. When she smells blood in the water. And when she presses Anne for details, Anne sidetracks her back to forced friendship, whereas it should be, and suggests, hey, let's go put on our PJs and make white Russians and not talk about the thing you brought up. It's probably smart. Yeah. Well, at this point in the episode, Mark, we jump forward three days and we get a chance to see the tremendous effect that the historical status has made for the now bustling video dome. Yeah, you know. Thank you, Leslie. (laughs) You know how we know it's three days later? How? Because on account of the screen, it says the text three days later. I thought it was interesting that they did the superimposition of the text, which basically just means text right on the video versus the placard card, the black with white text. Yeah, I noticed that. It's unusual for them. Yeah, the the, the superposition is not something I would ever recommend. Uh, The the, the placard approach, you know, classically, the Romans, Alan, would use the placard approach. All right, all right, all right, all right. right, right. I opened that can of worms and I apologize. (laughs) All right, enough of that. Leslie and Anne are walking down the street, approaching the Pawnee Video Dome. Again, this is three days later. When they get close, we see Ron walk outside, smiling. Uh oh. Because <laughs> you know that can't be good. It's not good. And he tells Leslie, I just came down to see the effects of your government intervention. I've got to hand it to you. You really turned this place around. So. Hearing all this, Leslie is all smiles and excited because she's optimistic and positive. But (laughs) upon entering the store, it becomes clear what has happened. Dennis got rid of all those dusty old uh, foreign films and used the money for the part of the business that's always done pretty well for Uh them. Simply put, the Pony Videodome is now a government-owned porn shop. (laughs) We then see... Porn star Brandy Max with all the X's there on the yeah, end on account of, you know, yeah. brown chicken, brown cow. Uh-huh. And she introduces herself, followed by telling everyone, A, to give Leslie a round of applause for keeping this porn shop, I mean store, in business. <laughs> uh, B, she, Brandy Max, is playing Leslie Nope in the um, porn version of the story of this government bailout. <laughs> and C... The porn industry in Pawnee was really faltering, but they are back, and Leslie is our hero. Yay! This is kind of like what happened with Leslie and Pawnee Zoo. It's very similar. Except that things have moved on from gay penguins. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very similar situation, though. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I find it interesting here, Mark, that, you know, 
you're, you're, you're of a certain age. I know you're older than oh, me and yeah, stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you remember back in the day that you go in the video store and they had that little section in the back behind the curtain? Yeah, yeah. That, that, so basically what they did here was they inverted it and now everything's out in front of the curtain. I wonder if there's a little curtain section with documentaries. Or like Finding Nemo. <laughs> Even better. Like, if you want that garbage, I mean... That's behind the curtain. Don't... Just go in shame and get your non-porn videos. Just go past the girls on guys on girls section and it's right there. Freaking weirdo. <laughs> well, back at City Hall, Anne and April move on to the next few items on Anne's Buddy Fest checklist. And we discover some unexpected hidden vocal skills in the Parks Department. We, we now see Anne and April in a City Hall con conference room. I think it's the one right off the Parks and Rec bullpen. Yeah, it's the main one. Um, where April continues to pester Anne about what's really going on with Chris, and Anne continues to ignore her in favor of doing more girly fun stuff together. Harvey, good sir, play the clip. Okay, are you ready? For you to tell me what's going on with Chris? Yes. <laughs> no, to sing. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time, go. No, tell me about Chris. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. Tell me about Chris or I'm leaving and I don't care about the letter. Mm -mm. I want to have a baby and I asked Chris to donate his sperm and he's taking a really long time to make up his mind and it's really freaking me out. And I can't stop thinking about it and I'm obsessing about it and I want to think about anything else but that, but it's making me crazy. Wow. Secrets stolen. From deep inside. You know the song already? Of course I do. Everyone knows the song. It's amazing. <laughs> the drum beats out of time. If, if you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. Time after time. Time after time. Time after time. Oh. It's never happened. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> you know, Anne wrote out all of the lyrics to the entire yeah. song on the whiteboard. Yeah. And April let her do it, even though she clearly knows the yeah. song. I think that's funny. That's very funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she probably enjoyed it the entire time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, uh, what you don't see there there we saw but they our friends at home couldn't see mm. donna of course joins the chorus and oh yeah three very lovely voices there in the room yes yeah i like that scene well while we wait for ann and april to take the stage again for their encore <laughs> we check in with chris to see whether or not he's on the road to making his own decision about parenthood yeah we see uh chris and ben and jerry in the bullpen and chris is not doing uh well he's, he really isn't he's yeah. venting to ben about how he actually made things worse with Tom, yeah, his his little bag of flour, and uh, this shakes Chris's confidence, and he wonders out loud if he's cut out to be a dad. At this point, Chris gets some really, really good advice from Jerry of all Jerry? people, who says, "You know, Chris, every parent makes mistakes. I mean, Lord knows I've made plenty, but it's the small victories that keep you going. When you see your little one take her first step or or graduate college, oh my God, it just makes it all worth it." And that's good stuff. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that, you know, we get a few moments, nice touching moments, I guess, from people we don't always get to see them from in this episode. 
<laughs> that's true. Of course, what I left off is see that part of Jerry's speech was beautiful. Of course, but he typically don't, people don't let him talk very long. <laughs> so then he just starts to you know and and you know waka 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 and he just starts to like babble and he's like I, I'm sorry guys I, I I lost track. People don't usually don't let me talk this long. All right, but it was a beautiful point. <laughs> <laughs> right up until you started going. <laughs> Well, bounce back to the A story and check in with Leslie and Ron, who's about to give her the what for. Mm. But before Ron can read her the riot act, Leslie decides to jump on that fumble herself first. Yeah, that that can be effective. Like, I'm not going to let I'm not going to let you throw this grenade at me. I'm going to swallow it because I, I watch what happens in cartoons. I do this all the time. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Good. Yeah, it'll distend your cheeks. But, you know, then <laughs> okay. it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, we see Leslie and Ron sitting together at a small diner. I, I'm, Alan, I'm not sure which one this is. I All I know is that it's not JJ's. It's not JJ's. I feel like we went here once before. But I think we also said unknown diner at that point. Right, right. Um, so clearly upset about how things turned out. Leslie tells Ron, go ahead, let me have it. Government bad, business good, free market, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. She does a great run. But once, really once does, in a presentation. Yeah. But actually, in all seriousness, they proceed to have what I would call a respectful, measured conversation. Ron tells Leslie, capitalism is the only way it moves our country forward and makes America great. And... England, okay, and France, terrible. Uh, Leslie tells Ron, look, look, I get it. I like capitalism. I, I love competition, but surely there's some way for the government to help places that add uh, community value but don't necessarily rake in the money. And Ron responds by saying, well, no, there's not. The free market is a jungle. It's beautiful and it's brutal and should be left alone. And when a business fails, it dies. A new, better one takes its place. We just need to let business be business and government be government. I won't argue with this point. It's, yeah. it's typical Ron, and but I think he makes his point well. And um, even if Leslie doesn't agree with him, she has to respect his point of view. I have something to say about this later, but I'm yes, I agree. Well, Mark, the, the, what happens next is pretty interesting in terms of how they normally structure a parks and recreation episode. It's basically a kicker, but it's a pretty long one, and it's basically four full scenes. Yeah, yeah. How, uh, walk us through this. So, I'll, I'll try. Yeah, we see this is definitely one of the most interesting and maybe weird, uh, you know, kickers of the entire series. It takes place at the community center, and this is all involving a new. A weekly movie night that's, right. that's about to start. And essentially, it's like you said, it's like a four part kicker. So tell you what, let's let's move through these one by one. For part one, we see Anne and April standing off to one side with Anne actually handing April a letter of recommendation. Harvey, do the honors. Here is your letter of recommendation. So you're off the hook. No need to pretend to be my friend anymore. Thank God. Hmm. I can't tell if you actually hate me or if this is just how you are, but I had fun hanging out with you. So I don't care what you say, you're my friend. And I hope you get into veterinary school because I like you. So there. Aww. I got you something too. Aww. Baby naming book. I hope it works out with Chris. And if it doesn't, I hope it works out with someone. All right. Well, Mark, so far so good. I like this. We're starting to get a little bit of closure here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, for part two of the four-part kicker, we see Mona Lisa continue to act up. Tom continue to lay down the law with her, surprisingly, as Chris looks on from the background. Harvey, do the thing. Mm -hmm. 
lot of hot D in here tonight. Eek. Ooh, look at that chunky hunky. Go over there and talk to him and find out what his deal is. No, I'm not gonna talk to some other guy. When we're together, you can't check out other guys. That's the deal, or else it's over between us. You understand? Mmm, Tommy laying down the law, a little feisty. I like that, okay? I'm gonna go get a soda. Do you wanna have sex somewhere after I do that? Sure. All right. Huh. <sighs> well, it looks like things with Mona Lisa are continuing. Yeah, I think I'm gradually transforming her from truly terrible to only kind of terrible. It's a small victories, you know? Indeed. The small victories. I know, she's kind of a monster, but whatever. I'm young, she's sexy. I'm just gonna see where this roller coaster goes. Fair enough. Is there anything else you need help with? Have you learned how to ride a bike yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm 28 years old. <laughs> I'm proud of you, bud. Thanks! <laughs> Mark, I like that, uh, you know, we've had a couple nice touching moments here. That that first part of that one, though, maybe slightly less of a beautiful moment than the one between Anne and April. You mm -hmm. know, still a little nauseating. But I get Tom's point, too. You know what I mean? Well, and it also seems like Tom has a little bit of a backbone. He does. He, yeah, he showed it. and he was More able, than he did before. More than he did before. And you can see at least he's in control of his decision. This isn't just about him giving in to impulse. Yes. I like that. Yeah, well That's said. growth for Tom. All right. So we're moving on to part three of this four-part kicker. My God. Uh, so having <laughs> finished his, ta his talk with Tom, as we just heard, a somewhat invigorated Chris walks over to Anne to talk about where they're at with things. Do the thing, Harvey. Ann Perkins. Is that a happy Ann Perkins or is that a bad news Ann Perkins? Oh, happy, obviously. The bad news one sounds like this. Ann Perkins. Oh. <laughs> well, I've thought about it. And I'm in. I want to be a parent. I want to raise a child. With all the ups and downs and challenges that comes with it. Chris, this is so great. I'm so happy. Me too. Well, I guess... Your uter you and my uter me are now our uter us. Oh. Yeah. Don't make me change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I have a question for you about this, but I'm going to save it for our little chat afterwards. Oh, okay. I like our little chats. Yes. Um, also, uterus puns, really. Yeah. Everybody knows that's the lowest form of comedy. <laughs> All right. Well, finally, part four. Finally, we're at the end here, Alan. Good Lord. So Leslie goes up to the microphone and welcomes everybody to movie night. Harvey, play us out, please. Although we are all sad and deeply grossed out that the Pawnee Video Dome is turning into a porno palace, I am happy to announce that the Pawnee government will be hosting a weekly movie night here at the community center. There will be free screenings followed by a discussion led by local film buff Dennis Lerpus. Tonight's film is The Sound of Music. Aww. And... I'm glad you're here, Dong Swanson. Uh-oh. The local video store is about to go under. We have to save it. Uh, oh, this is the wrong movie. Oh, no. We, shut this down, please. Oh, no. Shut it down. Sorry, Leslie. I'm a strict libertarian, and I don't believe in belly. <laughs> this is not how it happened. Mark, what was the title of that little film there? <laughs> <laughs> the title of the movie is... Too big to nail. Oh, good guy. Starring Brandy Max as Leslie Grope. That's L E Z L I E. Perfect. Leslie Grope uh -huh. and Tommy Pole as Dong Swanson. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's his long lost brother. I love it. <laughs> long lost brother. <laughs> Emphasis on the long. Brown chicken, brown cow. When did, when did Brandy add the fourth X to her name? Uh, it's she's that much better. It's like it's a spinal tap thing. She gets better every year. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Fade That's to it. black. Fade to black. Yeah, All right, yeah. If we yeah. fade to black. There, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm chicken brown cow. <laughs> fade to something anyway. Yup. Well, hey, Mark. Um, good job on the breakdown. Uh-huh. I know we got a few things to talk about here yeah. as we give our scores in a little bit. Let's take a real quick break and we'll come back and we'll get into our deleted scenes and all that fun stuff first. Capital idea. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Are you in the market for some new hardware? Do you enjoy intellectual conversation without the annoying context of pretentious art house movies? Is supporting your community and family-owned businesses important to you? If so, Strackwell Hardware may be able to provide you with tools for success. (laughs) Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Gene Strackwell is a local businessman and owner of Strackwell Hardware here in Pawnee. While he is not one of my three friends, I would go as far as to say he is an acquaintance of mine. I know, I know, it may be strange to hear me gushing like this, however, Mr. Strackwell has been a pillar of the hardware community for many, many years and has thus earned my respect. As the years have rolled forward, Strackwell Hardware has had to deal with tough times, as we all have. I greatly appreciate what Gene Strackwell has put together. Indeed, before I was a devoted customer of food and stuff, I procured a surprisingly large percentage of both my food and my stuff from Strackwell Hardware. And, while I do not believe in government handouts, I do believe in the community supporting businesses that have proven themselves and whose owners are not abject failures like a certain lurpus at a certain entertainment establishment, and I use that word generously, just down the street from Strackwell's. In conclusion, if any of you listening to this find yourself with a need for food, or stuff, or a new tool, then... Damn it, Constantine, stop laughing. You need to grow up, son. Then I strongly encourage you to visit Strackwell Hardware and make a purchase. I would appreciate it, and I'm sure the Strackwell family would as well. When you next visit Strackwell Hardware, be sure to tell Gene, the owner, that Ron sent you, and he will provide you with a two-week limited pass to their private, exclusive VIP Scratch and Dent back room <clears throat> thank you that is all all right everybody we're back well mark i'll talk about our deleted scenes real briefly we had uh, about four scenes roughly running about three minutes and 28 seconds mm-hmm. that's so a really, lot. if you think about it those are almost a minute long each, yeah. 45, 50 seconds a piece, which are pretty beefy scenes to cut. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case with deleted scenes. Yeah. So kind of interesting. Uh, basically, a little more of Tom at the doing some of his little shtick at the, the porn store there. Mm. Um, Brandy signing autographs. There's a segment with that. 
um, some more at Renaswag, and then I think they actually give us the real full screen version of uh, you know the beginning of Too Hard to to, to Nail there. Oh yeah, actually, you know what I realized? That's the only reason I knew that that Dong Swanson's because it's the, on that, the, yeah. the actor's name is yeah. Tommy Pole. Pole, yeah. That's true, because you don't really see it. You can't see it as well, at least in the other version. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Very good. Not so. not bad, but definitely the right scenes to cut. They I are think. the right ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, let's move on into our tropes first and fun facts. Um, I know that last week I, I brought a lot to the table. I didn't so much this week, but I'm curious what you did. Well, it's good you're partnered with me, Sir Alan, of the Roundtable. Uh, actually, I don't know how much. Um, so <laughs> I, I have two firsts um, and then just something that's tangentially related. So the two firsts I have are the first one's a gimme. It's the first appearance of uh, John Ralphio's sister, Mona Lisa yep. Saperstein, that played one. by the great Jenny Slate. Um, it's the first time I would say that Anne has had the upper hand in her interactions with April. I like that. That's true. And then. Those are really the only first I had. The only tangential thing I was going to mention is uh, uh, it's not a first, but a last last appearance of our good friend Kirk Fox as Sewage Joe. I know. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, we tried to get him on the show, Kirk on the show, but never were ever were never able to make it happen. So that's a little disappointing. But yeah, uh, maybe we still have him on sometime if we can get some of his time. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We can always talk about Sewage Joe. Of course, always. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Did I miss any firsts? I didn't really have any other first. Well, I said that it was the first time Jason Schwartzman appears because he's in two episodes. Oh, that's true. So, no, you know what? I missed that. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, and it's obviously the first, you know, time we've ever at the video dome slash porn store or whatever we're calling it now. Yep. Did, did he actually change the name? No. I didn't think so. I guess it still fits. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, how about tropes? Um, I know there's quite a quite a list of those usually. Yeah, I did. I did decently there. Um, first of all, we got we got some PBJ. Um, oh yeah, so that that's always fun. Mona Lisa, right at the, up front. Oh, the hold hard open. pass. Hard pass. <laughs> okay. And Jerry just smiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah, of course they would. Why would you? Um, I had uh, to go. Tom is a grown up. Because I, I think I had done that before. And yeah, I think that kind of fits one. here. He's he's kind of being grown up-y, yeah. You know. Um, a little shift. Yeah. I had CP for crazy Pawnians, usually if it's mm. part of a town hall or, That's you know, one. that yep. sort of thing. Um, aha, April hates Anne, which I know they had a nice resolution, but I still feel like that counts. Fits, you know, yeah. Yeah, because she had, you see that giant syringe she had? Oh my gosh. That could have turned ugly. She got that off Amazon.com. I love that. <laughs> I think we've done this before and I forget what the acronym was. I called it CSAP. Chris says, and Perkins, nothing. What are you calling that? CSAP? Yeah. I like Chris that. says, Ann oh, Perkins. okay. I, I literally, my brain broke trying to figure out that acronym. <laughs> <laughs> it marked, I mentioned at the top of the show, it's been a long week. So, yeah. I, I like know. that, though. Yeah. I had a uh, uh, sweet, stupid Andy. Of course. Uh, giving his ridiculous speech. So, the what you do is you do not throw a rock at a hornet's, hornet's nest. nest. Good Lord. Where um, am I? <laughs> I had a seriously Leslie. No, where, where am I? I, <laughs> uh, I had a RHG. Ron hates the government. That's which yep. I think I had recently. You did. Another yeah. It fits here. again though. Um, mug to the camera. I didn't uh, have as many as I usually clock, but I did see Ben definitely in April. Definitely did it. Yeah. They both did. And I thought Ben, it'd been a while since Ben had some classics. Yeah. He had a couple in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, fun with names. Uh, Brandy Max. That's a fun one. Uh, sure is. Dong Swanson. I mean, yep. are you kidding me? Uh, all the all the lurpuses is the, the we're, we're, there's this town is full of lousy with lurpuses. Lousy with lurpuses. Yeah, T-shirt. Yes. 
um, that's all the tropes I had. Did I miss any? No, um, I, I didn't really have any others. I, I I feel like it's the second time we've had a Cindy Lauper song, though. But I didn't. At my uh, I asked Constantine to go look that up, but apparently he was off this week, so I he ghosted me. So, mm. But uh, we'll find out, and I'll let you know next week. All right, fair enough. How about uh, goofs or fun facts, Mark? I I read something on the wide wide world of web that claimed it was a goof, and I take issue with it. So All right. I, I, I'm going to list it, but I'm going to call it a fun fact. So the goof they had, which I dispute, is that, you know, Ron has mentioned a few times now that he has only seen three movies. Right. And yet he like challenges Leslie and oh, says, yeah. oh, yeah, Rashomon, you, you yeah. rented a Rashomon. What was your favorite part? And they're like, oh, no, no, that's a goof because he only seen three movies. I say that was not a goof. I think he was bluffing. He was Totally bluffing. So he fun. knew she hadn't seen it. So conversion from goof to fun fact. I love it. Yep. Yeah. So now we officially have a fun fact. <laughs> did I did I miss any goofs? Nope. I didn't have any. Um, I thought there was one I, I saw on screen. And I went back and looked at it again. And I determined it was not a goof. So oh, nice. I didn't have an Alan goof this week. I mean, I had many goofs to be clear. <laughs> oh. And if you ever get to hear the unedited version of today's podcast, you'll totally know that's true. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. No um, one should do that. Alan, is it time for fun facts? You just did a fun fact. No, you have more? Well, yeah, oh, my God, yeah. Oh, well, then stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I erroneously gave the fun fact in the goof section, which in and of itself is a goof, but it's yeah. really a fun fact. You see, oh, we got meta. You got meta. Holy crap. So we do have other fun facts this week. Well, yeah. what you got, Mark? All right. Um, so fun facts. I, I got a lot of, of boring stuff here. So one was um, Dennis Lerpus uh, states that his store uh, at the very beginning before it got all porned out, yeah. it doesn't carry cartoons because, you know, uh, Leslie <laughs> wants to see Finding Nemo. Right. But if you look in the background, you can clearly see the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Uh, in the background in a couple nice. shot. So, I mean, unless that's a horribly, horribly gone awry porn version, which he hadn't gotten to <laughs> in that point. So probably not. Um, SpongeBob long pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm gonna just going to move on. Um, there's a point where uh, Leslie is. is, is Watch out, Sandy. <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> Um, I don't even say the word Squidward. Nope. I'm not doing it. Nope. Not, not this week. Nope. It. Not going to happen. Not going to do it. Um, <laughs> one point where Leslie is discussing with Dennis Lurpus how she could save a store hmm. and saying, well, you know, telling Ron, well, look, we need to have a place in Pawnee for intellectual conversations. Sure. And, and Ron retorts, uh, there are actually plenty right. of intellectual conversations happening at Barrett's Hardware. Well, it, as it turns out, there are two Barrett's Hardware locations near Manuka, Illinois, uh, where Nick Offerman grew up. That's terrific. That I love that tip of the hat. That's yeah. terrific. Um, Leslie begs the Videodome owner, Dennis, to play Pixar movies throughout the episode. Oh, and yeah. as it turns out, Amy yeah. Poehler yeah. Uh, would go on to star as Joy in the Pixar film Inside Out. Two years later, Two and years I later, know that on the animation timeline, it's very possible she was already recording dialogue for that movie at this point. It's possible. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, uh, Jason Schwartzman, uh, who played Dennis Lurpus and Adam Scott as Ben Wyatt, both starred together in The Overnight in 2015 as well, two years later. Mm. Um, Aziz Ansari as Tom Haverford and Jenny Slate as Mona Lisa Saperstein, both are recurring characters on Bob's Burgers. Um, uh, I think, uh... Uh, Aziz plays Daryl and Jenny plays Tammy, among other characters. I probably do many. Um, 
So I love Bob's Burgers, so I thought that was funny. Um, and let I know we've said this before, but it, it bears repeating just because it's so awesome. Um, in the cold open, uh, an attendant, uh, or it's Morris Lurpus at the Video Dome, says he's watching Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, or Marvel oh, Connection. So, okay, so for those yeah. of you who may not be aware of this, um, Chris Pratt, the, the, who? The, the actor, Alan, the actor who plays uh, a- Andrew Dwyer. Uh, he's not really Andy? No, no, no. It's His name's Chris Pratt and stuff. Weird. And he goes on to portray this guy named St- Star... Lord, it's weird, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and co-star with Robert Downey Jr., who played Iron, Iron Man. Man. I love it. Yep. Uh, my God, that was a lot. Okay, that's all I got. Uh, are, do you got any, or can we please Hell go no. on? <laughs> I mean, not after that list. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. No, I think you covered all of them. So. All right. But it's a good list, and there were some fun connections in this week's episode, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Nice job, Mark. Yeah. Hey, um, let's get into our, our MVPs and our scores. All right. Scoring incoming. Um, I did co-MVPs. Uh, this time, Alan, and my co-MVPs are Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson, yay, and Rob Lowe as Chris Traeger. Mm. So take that. Okay. Um, I didn't think any of the four stories were bad. And as a matter of fact, I thought all four of them actually push forward plot points that will come back later in the series. However, in my opinion, the whole video dome slash bailout storyline was the best one. And I thought that Ron really brought the haha as well as the more serious contemplative moments. Um, I really liked it. Um, Leslie, Amy Poehler also did a great job. I sure. felt like I had to give the nod to him. Um, it could be argued also that Chris, uh, Rob Lowe, as Chris Traeger, was involved in two of the three remaining storylines. So, again, bringing the ha-ha and the thoughtful moments and kind of serving as an indirect glue between them. A a role normally filled by Anne. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Or sometimes Leslie, maybe. Right, but Anne was a star of her own story this week, so someone else needed to be the glue. She certainly would. That's a great point. Nice observation. Um, you know, Alan, we've talked about this before a little bit. I think you would agree with this, but I'll just speak for myself. For me, the core of the entire series can be found within the relationship between Leslie and Ron. And, and as always, I think it's really enjoyable to see Leslie and Ron kind of at loggerheads, uh, clashing over their ideals, probably even more so because they're friends and they respect each other, despite those differences on a related note. This is my opinion. I think in general, the show's philosophical bent or direction tends to be more aligned with the, shall we say, the Leslie Nopes of the world sure. than the 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 Ron Swansons. Um, but it's interesting that arguably in this case, Ron was shown to, if if not be completely right, at least have a completely valid point regarding something work related. Um, I mean, clearly, clearly Ron's a go-to for non-work related advice as we've well established Always, you know, yes. many times in the past. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was fun. I like that. Interesting array of guest stars. Not only were we lousy with Lurpuses because we, we got lousy with guest stars. We got Dennis and Herman and Morris, all Lurpuses from yep. the great Lurpus dynasty. Yep. But we also had quite the contingency from the city council. As a matter of fact, every person on the council was present with the exception of Councilman Jeremy Jam. I wonder if he's still nursing the broken tooth that Ron gave him. Oh, yeah. Could be. Yeah. Um, five bathrooms. Um, it's it's interesting <laughs> that uh, it's interesting that Ann was so opposed to Chris making uterus puns. I guess only Leslie's allowed to do that. Oh, and she definitely does. Hashtag Ann's decision. That's right. Um, 
with all the, and I already mentioned this, with all the horribly depressing movies available at the Video Dome, I think Orin was probably a frequent customer. I think he's got to be. I, I would have loved it if in this episode they could have Orin working at the front desk. I would love that. That would be so thematically perfect. Perfect. Yes. No. Um, also, <laughs> is it just me or would this work? Imagine this, Alan. Yeah. Too small to fail. The little Sebastian story. Oh, that's huh? good. I I feel something's happening, Mark. <laughs> something's happening. <laughs> we'll put a cream on it or something. And I'm gonna we'll, put a pin in that. All one. right, we'll we'll continue. Um, couple of very small nitpicks. First of all, Alan, uh, there's Lord knows there's many, many, many ways in which IU is superior to Purdue. But well, duh. Everybody knows that if you want to be a veterinarian. You need to apply to Purdue. Not IU. Not IU. Yeah, I, I've, I've said that about this episode before. Knowing that, it does bother me a little bit, and yet, you know. Oh, it doesn't bother me. Purdue's bizarre. <laughs> I graduated from Purdue, and it's yeah, bizarre. understood. I love IU, but it's yeah. still, Purdue yeah. has a better veterinary. So anyway. It does. The other nitpick I had, this just hit me weird, and maybe it hit you weird as well. It seems to me that when Anne first started out on this quest to to, to find the the perfect uh, sperm donor, mm. you know, we saw all the candidates she went through, including people like Howard the Douche, Tuttleman, and yeah. blah, 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 blah. It sounded like at that point she just wanted a donor and that's it. But she didn't seem she, like she wasn't really phased in the kicker when Chris was talking as if he intends to be an active parent. So... I, maybe I interpreted that wrong. I just found that interesting. It was a little jarring because it seemed like it was kind of yep. leapfrogging over what she originally thought of as her intent. That was one of the things I said I have a note on. So oh, I will comment on that. Too. Very good. Yep. Um, all right. Well, on to the crazy Mark rubric, because I know everybody can't wait. They they are on the edge of their seats, Mark. Yeah. On, on tenter hooks, as they Both say. Both of them told me that. <laughs> <laughs> it's harsh, but fair. Okay. I'm going to give this sucker a four base score. I thought all four storylines were decent. I didn't think any of them were stellar. I thought they were decent. I liked the A story particularly. Again, I mentioned this. It's it's probably they were probably more important for moving along plot points than bringing out like tons of funny moments, but there were still some there. Yeah. I'm going to give uh, half a point each for each of my episode co-MVPs. Nick Offerman is Ron Swanson and Rob Lowe for Chris Drager. So total of an extra point for those. I'm going to give one whole point for a combination of decent comedic bench, like a little light on Donna and Jerry, but not bad. Yeah. I want to give it a little bit of credibility and plus a great list of guest stars. We got Jason Schwartzman as Dennis Lurpus, Richard Birch as Herman Lurpus, episode writer Joe Mandy as Morris Lurpus. We got the great Ben Schwartz as John Ralphio, uh, the fantastic Jenny Slate as Mona Lisa, uh, Mara Marini as Brandy Max, uh, Jay Jackson as Perd Hapley, uh, Kirk Fox playing his last role as Sewage Joe. We will miss you, Kirk. Uh, Yvonne's Jordan as Councilman Hauser, James Green as Councilman Milton, Kevin Simons as Sexy Dexy, Councilman Dexhart. I may have missed some, but you know. Pretty good. There were 16 guest stars in this episode. Holy hell and a half. That's a lot. Um, I'm going to give half a point for what I call the pairing combo. I thought we had some some very effective pairings. Mm. Uh, some of what we've seen before, some are which are a little bit more rare. Yep. We had Leslie paired with Ron, which is always a good pairing and it worked here. And paired with April, uh, which I thought was effective in this 
this one even more so because usually their pairings are very sparing because April's usually yeah. giving in the business. This time they centered on it. They did. At least for a storyline. Chris paired with Tom, I also thought was very effective and fun. So, so good job. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the resolution combo. All four storylines wrapped up nicely and interwove with each other in what I thought was a very impressive manner. I'm going to give half a point to what I've called before the bookend combo. Cold Open introducing us right away to Mona Lisa Saperstein and the weird but oddly satisfying four-part kicker. Well done. (laughs) And then I'm going to give two more half-point allocations for things that just made me giggle forever. I think you're just making stuff up now. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) One is Ron's giggling talking head. (laughs) When he finds out the video dome became a porn shop... He is that so was tickled. so freaking yeah. funny. Yeah. I could have just watched that for five minutes and I would have loved because it. Because it's so discreet and easy to extract from the episode, I'm considering it making it my ringtone. Oh, that would be outstanding. Um, and then another half point for, come on, the porn version of the government bailout story, Too Big to Nail, starring Randy Max as Leslie Group and Tommy Pole as Dong Swanson. Come on, you've got to be a freaking robot to not think that's funny. Which again, I mean, I think for maybe some of our younger uh, listeners, maybe they weren't around to hear the phrase too big to fail, talking about the bank crisis, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this is a play on that, which is a play on the porn name. So it's like a double layer joke, actually, which is for us old folks, very funny. Yeah, we we like sophisticated we do porn yes. humor like yes. that. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had all those crazy <laughs> mark points up, and you get eight point five little Sebastians. I, I actually toggled back and forth on this episode between eight and eight and a half. And Alan, you and I have often talked about uh, feelings versus technical yep. merit uh, and how it plays into our scoring. Well, recently in some of the past episodes, it's I kind of leaned more towards how I felt coming out of it. Yeah. Here, I found myself doing a little bit of the opposite. Not that it was a bad episode. It wasn't. And there were funny moments. There were. But I I like the way this episode was constructed. It was odd, but effective with the with the kicker and the way that the storylines kind of wove in and out. I, I liked it. So anyway, I decided to like err on the side of, of, of yay. So final score, 8.5 Little Sebastians. That's my review. Back to you, Alan. I'm going to rock that scuba, Mark. Mm. See how I did there? I fell on your fumble. Yeah, so, you, you did hey, the thing. I I like that you segued that for me perfectly because I'm going to start there, in fact. Excellent. What are you so doing? for me this week, I looked at the episode exactly the opposite as you. Like oh, no. I was impressed by the structure, but I scored on how I felt. And, oh. and you know me, I who the hell knows what I'm going to do any one week, right? Oh, I'm spinning the spinner right now. I'd like this could go anywhere. It could go anywhere. So um, I, I will say a couple of things. So I, I felt like some of the pairings were, you know, you, I think you call them unusual pairings. I think that's fair to say. We certainly have seen Anne and April on screen together before, usually in some sort of a little small altercation or April flipping Anne off with her phone finger. Mm-hmm. But um but I love that they made like a whole storyline with the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I loved both of them in it and thought they did an amazing job. So I, I put that in my considerations for MVP, which I'll circle back on in a minute. So I'm, I'm going to end with my MVP today. Okay. So yeah, just I'm, I'm mixing it up over here. Boy, so, yeah. I this is all over the place. I love it. It's like a mirror image of you today. Man, yeah. no one needs that. Except in a bigger size. So. <laughs> just harsh, but fair. Go on. So, no, I meant me. <laughs> It's Ah. been a bad winter for me. Um, Anyway. Should have been drinking water then. (laughs) No, no, I apologize for that. That's all right. Um, 
The other pairing that I really liked was the Chris and Tom. Again, they've had scenes together, but this whole premise of, you know, try, try out parenthood by, you know, mentoring Tom a little bit gave him a chance to mentor Tom in a way he never really has before. He's done that for Andy. Um, I'd say you could argue he's done it for Ben, even though they have more of a, a peer relationship mm -hmm. at times when one's suffering something or the other's not. You've certainly seen Chris supportive of, of Ben. Right. So this is the first time I think we've seen him like, try to give meaningful advice to Tom, which I thought was kind of interesting. And Tom wasn't totally opposed to hearing it. Um, you know, he wasn't in on the joke about the the parenthood thing, but at the same time, I thought it was still good dialogue and a good ex character exchange. So I like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I felt like that the this episode is is basically one of those very highly functional episodes. And what I mean by that is it had four storylines they did a pretty good job of balancing all four, although the A story is still the A story. I bet if we looked at the literal screen time, Ann Perkins, that it would be more in balance than usual when we have that many storylines, mm. like in terms of screen time. Normally, you might get like a super A and then little tiny stories. Like last week was a little bit like that. I think or my fourth story or whatever. You didn't even call it a fourth story. You called it three. Mm. I'd still argue it was four kind of like this week, but it was just... It wasn't enough to like really get me excited. Do you know what I mean? This week, there was the potential for that. But again, I think 16 guest stars, four storylines, that's a lot in 21 minutes and 34 seconds. It's just a lot. It certainly uh, threatens to be spread too thin. Well, and I think it showed up in terms of the comedy opportunities. Um, I wrote for my notes this week that it sacrificed humor for forwarding basically an arc, a seasonal arc for, for multiple characters, in fact. So, and I'm not opposed to that, but it, it affected my score. So, which I'll come back to in a second. Well, it, so, it's a trade-off for sure. It is a trade-off. That's absolutely true. My MVPs this week, though, um, were, were Chris Traeger. So, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. That yeah, that's going to make it. He's going to make it. That kid's going to make it. And uh, no, I thought Rob Lowe did a great job as Chris this week. And I, I'm, you know, I'm so glad that the sad Chris is behind us. You know, I think we're yes. all happy about that. Yes. And seeing him back in this role where he works well and his his genuinely um, thrill, you know, I guess, uh tickled reactions to to Anne and some of those things. It's just, it's good Chris stuff, right? Yes, agreed. And and I would say that um, my other MVP this week was, was Aubrey Plaza as April. I just, I thought that we saw a side of her character this week that I thought Aubrey did a really good job of selling. I think it's difficult to be cynical, April, cynical, April, cynical, April, and all of a sudden have this genuine moment and still somehow sell it and make it feel real when she gave her the baby book. But I thought she did a great job. And with so much going on this week, you could have said any two things as co-MVPs and you've probably been nearly right because it was one of, it was, there's so much to balance out here, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, that. do you feel any one story really took the day and ran with it? I don't. I think that the A story did. Um, I, I actually broke this down into like what scenes apply in theory to what storylines and the A story yeah. definitely dominated. Once you get past that, the others are are spread pretty equally. Um, I That's mean, fair. I mean, and in more, and they got more proportionality than they normally would against an A story, because there's three of them. They yeah, had to just yeah, do yeah, the yeah. math. I, right? I would agree with yeah, that. Okay. As a matter of fact, I remember in season two, I want to say Christmas Scandal. 
I ended up scoring that a little low for me mm. because I felt like it was a little thin and it, it, it too had four yeah. stories. Yeah. And here I felt like, well, they put enough meat in the small stories that yeah. it, for whatever reason, I didn't feel like that. So yeah. they, 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 they constructed it well. I I'd thought. agree. Yeah. I, I think for me, my score this week was eight and a half little Sebastians. And I think my whole point was that if they had maybe instead of having so many major arc stories in one episode and trying to balance all that, if they had just focused a little more on the main A story and maybe one of the other stories and just had an A and a B, it could have been a lot funnier, might have been a nine or a nine and a half, could have done the same thing next week for the other two stories and had another nine and nine and a half. But for me this week, it's eight and a half because they just put too much together in one episode. Interesting. So it sounds like your your dilemma was whether it was going to be an eight and a half or nine. I think, well, no, because honestly, at times I did like you, I thought, is this an eight? But at the end of the day, I, I like the episode. I mean, it's a memorable one for me. I like Jason Schwartzman and I thought that I enjoyed the, the arc and seeing Brandy Max and the way she, you know, her and April or her and Leslie, you know, they're they're just peas in a pod, right? Oh, sure. So, of course, which is Leslie's horror. But um <laughs> I liked the story and I thought it was good. I just thought it could have been a little funnier if it had gotten more screen time. So for me, I think it could have been a nine. It had that potential, but it didn't get there. All right. Fair. Fair. I like it. So, but you know, they can't all be tens, like I said last week, Mark. No, no. So, but it's interesting. This week, I, we kind of said some of the same things as last week, but we were on the same score this week. Last week, we're what, half a point different? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think not, I gave it eight, gave it eight and a half. So. Well, and like we said last week, you know, regarding it not being a 10. Yeah. If, if the great movie, The Incredibles, taught us anything, <laughs> if everything's a 10, true. then nothing's a 10. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't exactly say that, but you get the point. Yeah, I get the point. <laughs> and, and, you know, who knows? The show needs to leave itself room to have some place to go. Yeah. There so you go. I feel like this episode, if nothing else, certainly accomplished that. Yep. So. We can't have wedding episodes every time for Damn crying it. out loud. I wish we could. Though. I know, I know. Yeah. But, but I did like a couple of the touching moments here in lieu of that, for sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Well, nice job, Mark. I, uh, that was a good episode. And uh, we will be back next week to review Season 5, Episode 17, which is Partridge. Partridge. Which is interesting. I, I took a peek at it. I'm like, I don't remember this title at all. I do remember the episode, but I would never have put that title on it. Is that or, the one where they drive around in the van? Yeah. That's the Partridge family, right? Is that remember the Partridge family? Like I do David remember Partridge, the Partridge family, family. With David like Cassidy, that, and, and, and yeah, the, the, that guy, yeah. And then the, they drive around the Partridge family van, yeah. Oh, that's all I got. I, that's I was just, <laughs> I thought I missed something in the episode. No, 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 I was being ridiculous. Oh, the, fair enough. I know it's good Partridge, job. I know it's Partridge, Minnesota. <laughs> I, I know what it's about. It is Partridge, Minnesota. That's yeah. a good point. So, but and uh, and I think the week after that, if I'm not mistaken, is animal control. So, oh, yeah, a couple memorable episodes <laughs> coming up for sure. Yep, we get some Ice Town references and a little more animal animal control. And uh, yeah, we haven't had an Ice Town reference in quite a while, not in a we? while, but we will revisit it. I want to say season three. Gosh, it's probably been about that long. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, nice job today, Mark. And uh, thanks to all of our viewers at home. We really appreciate you. Go out, check us out on the social medias. Uh, if you would, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We would really, really appreciate that. Please. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. <laughs>
Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompony.com for more details or to contact us.